You're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to another episode of A Lady and Some Dude Podcast. Um, Somebody's probably wondering why is it that we're not hearing a lady, our our feature lady Dion today. Unfortunately, she was unable to join us, but um, we miss her. Um, We we know she's here with us in spirit. I am your lead host today, Evan, uh, and we are excited to have our special guest, uh, Terrell McCoy, with us. Uh, He is a former ESPN employee, uh, and we thought it was so important to have him on uh, last, two weeks ago, as a matter of fact, there was an article released about racism and ESPN. I saw we're actually friends outside of this, and I saw his commentary on SL, man, we got to get him up on the pod. And so uh, we're so happy to have him here uh, working with us. He's a communications, uh, he was a communications major in college, and he's working uh, still in the industry. And so we're so grateful just to have him uh, to be here with us. Uh, and so, uh, Terrell, if you don't mind me asking, just a, a, a start off question, what kind of brought you into or made you interested in getting involved in sports journalism, sports broadcasting? Um, first of all, thank you for having me on, on the podcast. It's an honor and a privilege to uh, join you all. Um, what got me into the work? So I'll, I'll go all the way back to uh, when I was a kid, right? <clears throat> um, I don't know if everybody on the podcast uh, grew up uh, Seventh-day Adventist like we did. Uh, but I grew up Seventh-day Adventist, and so there was a point in my life where uh, I figured out that the NBA was not going to happen based on playing on the Sabbath. <laughs> and so um, I love sports so much. Uh, I would read, you know, you, you, the Sabbath happens, important games. Uh, I grew up, you know, my father was a pastor, so... We lived in Houston and then moved to Little Rock. So Rockets fan, Oilers, then they moved uh, Astros. Then when I moved to uh, Little Rock, all college sports, I check on the Razorbacks. But you know, that, that, that time period from Friday night to Saturday night, you don't know what's going on in the sports world until you, you know, that sun goes down. And I, I'm, I'm waiting, I have that newspaper that came. I'm waiting to get that sports section. You know, because some may go down six, seven, eight. I could read what happened Friday night, look at all the box scores, and then I'll catch the, the 10 o'clock news and see what happened. And so that's how engulfed I was in sports. And, and you know, around 15, 16, um, you know, I, I, I thought I was amazing at basketball. Um, I even went to a, a camp with Corliss Williamson, and it kind of shocked everybody there because they were like, um, they're like, what, what school do you go to? Like, where, where'd you come from? Because they're, you know, one-on-ones, three-on-threes, five-on-fives, like our team, I was winning, my team was winning. And so they tried to get me to play AAU. They're like, yo, you got to come play. And so, you know, my, uh, they, they're like, you know, and I asked them, I'm like, can, do y'all play on Saturdays? Because I didn't know what AAU was. They almost laughed me out the gym. <laughs> You know, they're like, what are you talking about? Like, kid, come on. So I'm like, well, you're going to have to ask my dad. They ask him, he's, he laughs them out the gym. Like, no, 
not happening, whatever. So by then I was like, you know, this, this NBA thing, even D1 basketball is not going to happen. How can I get in the arena, in the arena and still be a part of sports? So that's when I figured out like, Hey, um, you know, journalism is the way to go. My uncle, one of my best Christmas gifts ever, my uncle bought me a subscription to Sports Illustrated uh, for kids when I was like 11. And it went, or maybe I was younger, but it went forever. He bought it for a long time until he was like, all right, TJ, I got to cut this, you know, cut this subscription off. But in that, and then I got, I got into reading, reading articles. And, and then, of course, jumped from Sports Illustrated for kids to Slam Mag. And if you, any of you all uh, are familiar with Slam Mag, uh, Scoop Jackson. And then just the articles in Slam Magazine were like, they were so amazing to me. Like, you know, th they kept it real. It was some cussing in some of the articles. And it's just like, they, they, they were so in tune with the culture of, of basketball. And I was like, you know what? I can do that. While, you know, in, I can interview players. I can go, I can get access here and there. So that was my thought process into, um, you know, getting into sports journalism. So, sorry if that was a long answer or whatever. But yeah, that's that. That's what got me, you know, into one really wanting to do sports journalism. All right, Terrell. Um, so as you were coming up, of course, like me, similar to you, like I started off actually in like elementary school, shooting the little morning broadcast program in like the fourth, fifth grade, shooting the little student versus faculty game, et cetera. Um, did you know at a young age, I guess I would say what company that you wanted to work for at that particular time? Like when I was in college, my Professor was like, oh, you just think you want to work at ESPN? I said, no, and I honestly, and this is before Fox Sports even got to where it was now. I said back in 2009, actually, I want to be with Fox Sports because I see where they're going. So did you always have an idea of who you actually wanted to work for, like that dream job? Yeah, my, my dream job was Slam. I didn't, I, you know, TV wasn't a thing. My parents were really, you know, my dad is incredible at finances. So cable wasn't a thing in our home. So, you know, I did catch Sports Center when I went to my grandma's house or whatever. But, you know, Slam, Slam was my, like, Slam was it. And I, I really wanted to cover articles like that. Because, you know, they, you know, Slam, they had the guys with the, you know, with the hard pose, with the ball at the side, at the park. And I grew up playing in parks. And so I was like, you know, hey, we can like get in touch with basketball, you know, black black people. And so that was my thing. I really wanted to do slam. So that's why when I went to Oakwood, um, you know, I, th I thought I wanted to be on camera as well. But I, I I went in as a print journalism major because I really wanted to write about basketball. Yeah, I guess I'm going to fast forward a little bit, Terrell. Um when you was at ESPN, you did work for ESPN. I always, I had the question on why was it, was there something within the organization um, that really made you upset? Why, you know, why, why did you really leave? Great question. So, um, and I guess if you don't mind, I'll, I'll tell you how I even got to ESPN real quick. I got to ESPN. So I graduated Oakwood and I, you know, I assumed 
that when you got your college degree, when you got your bachelor's, I knew it was kind of hard to get into the industry. But I assume like, hey, people will see uh, that you have your education, you're hired, right? That was not the case at all. So I'm like looking for jobs, no one's hiring me, not like internships, nothing. And so this this young lady, she she called me out basically. She's, I think she was an Oakwood grad as well, but she was like, you know, hey, you're talking about all this love you have for sports, but what are you doing? And so she was like, you have to like make your way. So she was like, if you love it that much, like start a blog. And so, um, yeah, I started, I actually bought a domain. I didn't want, you know, whatever. I didn't want a dot blogspot.com. I wanted it to flat out be a website. So I bought all that. Started my website, Real McCoy Sports. Sorry if y'all going to want to go look it up. I'll get to that later. But started that, and that's when Twitter, Twitter was just now, like, popping off. And, you know, I would, be, I would be on Twitter talking sports all the time. And so what I, what I did was everybody that I talked sports with, I said, hey, I know y'all are young. Y'all are in college or recent college grads. I can't pay you, but we got to, like, we all have a goal here, right, for the website. Like, we just going to, like, tap into our passion. One of the writers that I had got hired at ESPN. ESPN had a program called a content associate pro, uh, program built to uh, build up producers. So he got hired there and then they're like, you know, the lady in charge of the program was like, hey, we, you know, we need more black people. She was black. So of course he mentions my name. He's like, great dude, like look at his website, yada, yada. They give me a call and they're like, hey, apply. And so I applied. That's how I got into ESPN. Got to ESPN, everything, like, it's a dream. It's a dream. You're walking by Jerry Rice, you know, one day. You don't even know it. Uh, Jerome Bettis. Um, it's my guy that was at the Steelers, Cordell Stewart. Like, all these former athletes. And then you got the guests coming in on first take, Bun B, Lil Wayne, like, it was insane. And so um, I got there. And so with the program, like they take you through everything, you know, behind the scenes, like you're, you're even going through uh, like how the ads work. You know, we see the <clears throat> presented by progressive, the little pop-up on the scoreboard, all that. They, you have to do a, a period of time where you have to count those and then report it you know, because they're paying to have that ad space. And if it doesn't pop up, if the producer doesn't have that pop up, then the company is going to be like, well, we paid you for this, like all that. So I go through that. I, I landed, um, and this this was a blessing in itself as well with uh, the Sabbath and everything. You know, I went in, I, I explained that to them. HR was like, that's fine. Uh, can you come in, you know, Friday night to Saturday night? We'll We'll, we'll respect that. Can you do like a six to 3 a.m. shift on Saturday night if need be? And so I was like, I'm like, yeah, so sure. They did good work. And so I got in on the like the ESPN2 uh, programming. So it's like the first takes, the, the at the time it was Numbers Never Lie, um, all of those shows. What made me leave ESPN was, uh, it actually wasn't due to uh, what came out in the article but it was more so because, um, as I explained, so growing up, sports was my life. 
first love, I love sports. Love it. What happened was going to ESPN and then having, you know, you'll have a shift. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm working on Numbers Never Lie, I have to be there at 6 a.m. because the show's at 3. We're prepping. We're, you know, we have the morning meetings. We prep, go through the rundown. So it's like, all right, Terrell, we need you to pull this clip. Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you make this? Can you do that? So the whole day I'm like cutting, working with the editors. We're like, okay, we got to put this together. But while that's going on, um, you know, you're hearing all the shows that are happening back to back to back. You got your uh, Mike and Mike in the morning, Sports Center, the 9 a.m. Sports Center. Then you got First Take, uh, NFL, you know, the NFL, not primetime, but the NFL show that come, comes on at one. And then like our show would come on. And you're hearing this, and you know how ESPN is. You're hearing the same stories, kind of recycled. They have the debate shows. The debates are the same. Then you get to our show. And then, so when I get home, what's, like, I can't even watch sports or, or turn on ESPN now. You know, I'm like, I don't even want to watch sports. Because now, I've gone through the process. I've, I've made highlights. I've done all this. If I'm watching the game, I'm thinking now, like as a producer, and I'm just like, uh, okay, I will pull that play out. I'll do that, and then Sports Center would come on, and I'm like, oh, who cut that highlight? Oh man, that's you know, text like, did you cut that? Did you do that? Come in the morning, go through it all again. So it, it kind of was, it, it was getting a little old to me, to where I was like, I can't keep doing this because I don't love sports like that. What am I gonna come home to if you know this is my love? but it's a job 24 seven now for me. And so I was, I was looking to get out of like the producing, like the daily producing and maybe try to get in on like 30 for thirties or, you know, E60, something more long-term where you plan out a show instead of like doing it daily and even being surrounded in that, that studio production. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I started looking for work and TV one actually, uh, posted a gig and so I, I ended up applying to that and it was a it was double to pay it was a bump from production assistant to associate producer and it wasn't in Bristol Connecticut it was in Washington DC so I was like okay you know what I'm be working for my people I'm gonna go here you know and then now I can I can start loving sports again but also you know, I did two years at ESPN. The average time that it took for people to even make associate producer was about like five to six years. And I think in the in the CAP program, <clears throat> in the CAP program, they gave you I think six to seven years to make AP, or else they would drop you. Um, so two years and then making that bump from uh, PA to associate producer is like, okay, now I can never go back to PA. I can come back to ESPN because I'm leaving in great standing and I, I will have to come back as an associate producer if I choose to come back. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's why I left because I, I mean, I left, I doubled my salary. I see all my friends, like they're still like, still grinding, 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 getting these small pay bumps um, year after year. And so, like, I, I just, I, I decided to skip that whole process. Cool, cool. 
Toriel, my question is, based upon your experience and associated with the article, how was meetings? Was the meetings diverse? Was there um, um, where you saw people like you around? <clears throat> around? Yeah, well, once I got to the, the first takes and the numbers never lie, those meetings were a lot of, like, those were really diverse. Like, the majority of my time, I worked with Mike and Jamel, uh, Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. And then also, um, the producer was black. He was actually my direct suit. And uh, even on first take, like, a lot of their producers are black as well. So that meeting room always allowed, you know, dialogue. And, and with Mike and Jamel, or even on first take, you got Stephen A. And then, you know, the producer is like, it was, it was no way that, um, for lack of better terms, like a, a white voice was gonna overpower the black voices, especially if the, if the hosts are like, nah, we, we wanna talk about this. Like it, even after I left, if you saw how Mike and Jamel did their thing, that was all their creative genius. And they had that say. Now, you know, why they're not there is, is because maybe the audience, you know, couldn't relate, but Prior to that, I wasn't even, I wasn't really in meetings like that. Cause you know, PA is just, like I said, they had you moving through. We even had to print, print scripts, prompt, do the prompter for people. So it wasn't really, the sports center meeting was outside of our, our pay range. We just had to hey, do your job, show up, do it and you know, go home. But um, when doing highlights, we had our, you know, we had to come with ideas. So we had all these PAs pitching their ideas, but it was, it was pretty diverse in that sense, but it, I, I didn't feel like someone in my time and, and in my experience, I didn't feel like someone was trying to control my voice and my ideas. So when everything kind of went south with uh, Jamel Hill and ESPN, how did you feel uh, she was treated by the in by by the management in that time do you think they should have sat her down or do you think they should have stood behind their employee oh they they absolutely should have uh stood behind her i i i don't know if i deleted it but i had some words for espn when it happened because you know i mean Janelle's like that's like the homie and so um for them not to stand behind her you know that, that, you know, for me, you have to choose a side. And so when you choose the side that they chose, you know, that shows where they're at. And I mean, whether it's, 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 a, it's a dollars over, you know, humanity type of decision, then okay, well, that's, that's the decision y'all made. And that shows me where you all are at. But I really felt like they should have stood behind her no matter what. Um, it's not like she lied. Um, and for them, like, even, even now, you know, they're, they're, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're not really saying it, but they're, they're falling in line with the whole corporate push of, you know, Black Lives Matter, we stand behind this and we do this. And it's like, oh, that's real funny. Cause a couple of years ago, y'all were real, you know, like this isn't a, on the river, on the bank. Like, don't, don't do it now that it's hot. Like, Y'all had a chance to really stand behind someone who has put their all into your network. And now, you know, now you want to jump. And then now you see they have the, you know, 
with the undefeated, the Colin Kaepernick, they're doing that. She's an executive producer now. And they have no choice but to, you know, embrace her and bring her back. But they really, they, I feel like they fumbled that. Because if you look at ESPN now, you know, what, like, is, what, what, are people really like, oh, I got to stand by, or I got to watch ESPN. I got to do this. Oh, Sports Center's about to come on. No, it's not happening. So I, I feel like that's a little bit of, of karma as well as them not really preparing for keeping up with the times. Terrell, so the president of ESPN stated in the article that he doesn't believe the company is where they want to be uh, diversity-wise. What steps do you think needs to take place to have more Black executives um, in that decision-making process? Uh, Man, it's, it's it's the promotions. The promotions are the hiring. Like, if, 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 one thing I will say, like, Evan, you you, you uh, talked about my status or like when you saw me speak out about it, like they, like when it comes to promoting or, you know, promote, promoting from within and, and things of that nature, it doesn't happen for us. It doesn't. Um, one, of, one of the like top producers, um, why am I drawing a blank right now? She's over NBA Countdown. She's like Amina, Amina Hussein, boss. She's so dope. And so she took over for NBA Countdown. And if y'all remember NBA Countdown, they had like uh, Bill Simmons, Magic Johnson. It was just trash. It was trash. She took over. And now if y'all notice, like it's, it's a lot of culture in there. Like with the music that goes out to commercial, they got the jazz or they may have some hip hop playing. And, you know, they, they do a lot more. That's all Amina. And even with, with her, uh, I think Jamel talked about it in the article. Amina, uh, you know, she should be a top exec by now. Like her, her resume and what she's done for the company up until this point is like, it's a no brainer, but they don't promote from within. They don't, I don't even think they give a serious look to black people like that. And so uh, I think that's, a, that's definitely a start, but also it comes, down to like listening to your black voices um several times like you know we we drive culture we we drive the culture it's it's that's a fact you know they but they don't adapt to it until it's too late you know the 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 come on man you know that was really late after um my guy was doing come on son but that's a ripoff. That that's culture. That's us. That they that they pulled in. I remember my guy. Uh, I won't say his name, but what, one of my friends he he promoted a, um, or he he brought this idea to uh, the producers, and it was it was at the time like memes are starting to get hot now. So this, this was the Kermit meme with the uh, with the T. So he's pitching like, oh, you know, like we got to do this segment. And talk about, you know, but that's none of my business, though. Like, we got, and he laid it out. White producers, they didn't really get it. They're like, ah, I don't think, yeah, no, that's not a great idea. We'll shelve it. And so this is for Sports Nation. Like, six months later, they finally get the meme. And so they're like, yeah, let's do it. 
So they had Marcellus Wiley doing that segment six months later. And if you all know the lifespan of memes, <laughs> that's like, you got to strike while it's hot. And like, they, you know, they, they totally missed the mark. And, and it was just like, people were watching the show like, why are y'all doing this? Like, that meme is so played out. But, you know, it's, it's, it's different things like that. Wow. My question would be, based upon your experience there, have you seen people with less credentials get promoted over those who look like you and me? Yes. Yes, flat out. A um, couple examples? I, I, can, I can recall... I can recall when ESPN was moving to LA. And let me paint the picture for you. If none of you all have been to Bristol, Connecticut, it's, it's nothing that, I mean, Hartford's like 30, 35 minutes away. And I mean, New York City and Boston is about an hour and change maybe, but it's Bristol, Connecticut. Like living there day to day is not, is not the wave, it's not popular, it's horrible. And also it's cold, it's, it's outside of work, there's nothing to do. So ESPN announces they're like, hey, we, you know, we're doing the LA office, you know, PAs, if you want to be out there, apply, we're gonna send you. I didn't even do it because I'm not a Cali kind of guy. I didn't envision myself out there. Um, but I do remember like a lot of PAs like, hey, I, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. I think one person, one black guy was sent out there, maybe, maybe two, but after, but when I talk about like promoting or people like getting that opportunity, I remember a couple of PAs, you know, getting sent out there and they worked on a show that just was, it got canceled after like two months, but they got sent out there because the producers that they sent out there like them, actually the producers of that show got sent out there and they were like handpicking their PAs from the failed show. But then you got black PAs who have been like NBA countdown, NFL countdown, like doing great work, not getting chosen. And so it's, it's, it's just, it's been a lot of that that I've seen like uh, to where, you know, and then I, I, I don't like to tell people stories, but you know, we have a, we have a chat that I'm in with uh, ex ESPNers and you know, their stories are just the same getting passed over time and time again and you know it's 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 kind of like ingrained in in us or to kind of like just take it and keep working like keep keep grinding I'm you know my chance is gonna come it's gonna come but you know if it comes or not like that's that's a 50 50 it's just it's it's a it's a draw you know it's it's a draw and so that's, that's just like the, and, and, and it's not just the XBN, it's media in general. Like I, you know, I would have producers who I would just be like, how did you even get to this point? And you know, this, you know, the analytics started to take over. And if you're, you know, if they're a stats guy or whatever, they get bumped up over like creativity. And that's, this is a creative business. Like if you have a great idea, a great show, uh, for example, the guy that pitched like first tape, he took cold pizza in the first take and, and introduced the whole debate 
model for sports television. But like if, if I were to pitch that, I doubt that would have been heard out uh, like it was for him. You know what I mean? So, or, or a black producer, someone higher up. It, it just takes, white voices are heard a lot more than black voices in the business. Stephen A. Smith comes at a lot of scrutiny for being kind of like called like Uncle Tom or playing the fence. I don't know if you ever work with him or you did anything with him. Do you think that is more persona or reality? I think it's, man. I think, I think Stephen A. Smith plays it safe. Okay. He, he protects the bag at all costs. Simple as that. Now, I, I can't call him uh, uh, Uncle Tom or whatever else. I have worked with him. I will say that we've never, we've never had a conversation. Um, granted, he's a very busy man. And so these, these guys don't live in Bristol. They have drivers that drive them from New York City every morning and drive them right back. So he may, you know, he comes do does first take back to New York City to do his radio show or, you know, whatever. Um, but I will say, like I, like I said, I worked on first take for a while before I worked uh, on Numbers Never Lie. Have a relationship with Carrie Champion. Skip, Skip, that's my guy. The first time Skip, me and Skip talked. We talked for like an hour and a half, two hours. And Skip just like, that's how, that's how Skip is. My parents came, he want, like, we talked about my life and he knew my dad was a pastor. So when my, my parents came to visit, he wanted to talk to my father because he's a very religious man. They talked for a while, that's how Skip is. I, but like Stephen A on the go or never said, you know, young man, what's your name? What would you like, like, where would you, what's your trajectory? Like, where do you want to be? I never got that. Could that be because he's, you know, he's a busy man and had to get back? I don't know, but he knows, he knew my face at the time. You know, he, it's not like I've handed him so many scripts or I've, you know, been in the production meetings, but it never, that conversation never happened. So I think he plays it safe though. I, you know, highest, I think he's the highest paid Black man at, at ESPN, one of the highest paid personalities, period. Um, so for him to like really step out and, and stand on, on what he really, because, you know, I mean, he, he does good work, but he's on that line a lot. Like he's, oh, well, you know, if you know, black people pull their pants up or something or, or stay off the weed or <laughs> it's like, it's like, bro, like you are playing into their, you know, it's a what they want to hear. And, that, you know, that protects that bag. So can I, it's, it's all, it's all what's in your heart, like what you're willing to stand on and what you're willing to do if you're willing to lose it. Like I respect Jamel forever. Cause she not like, if you know your power, if you know your talent, then, you know, you're going to, you're going to be fine. And so I think for him, like, if he realizes that and realizes his voice, they can't do it. Yeah, fire me if you want. I'm gonna be right. I'll be. Fox Sports might scoop him up and put him right next to Shannon. That'd be an incredible. That'd be a great show. You know what I mean? And, but you know, I don't think 
they really think about it like that. That's interesting. Um, I would ask, because now that you're at a workplace that's more open, like how would you say that, would you say that it's more welcoming where you are currently uh, when it comes to your ideas because you're African-American compared to being at ESPN? So, well, all right. So I don't know if I should have led with this, but right now I'm not in like studio production at all. Okay. Um, I actually, so after I, after I did TV one, um, I was at the Smithsonian channel and I, I ended up, um, producing for the musical crossroads gallery at the national museum of African American history and culture. In my time there, I think that was like a gut punch to me because, you know, here I am, you know, 29, 30, I'm learning about all this black history that I had no clue about every day at work, every day. And so I'm like, I'm like, man, my purpose, I, I gotta take a step back and see where my purpose is, you know what I mean? Um, and so outside of that, like, I decided I really wanted to get into like producing black stories, like as a, like, as a documentarian. Uh, so still working on that, but right now I'm currently with a nonprofit that focuses on uh, equity and education uh, for black and brown children and, and like closing that racial disparity gaps in, in all of education. We build advocates for, um, for advocating for our black and brown children, changing those racist policies. Like you see down in uh, Houston, Texas, they have, you can't have braids to graduate or something, you know, it's policies like that in every educational system. So I'm kind of like far away from it, but now like in the role that I'm in, any idea that I have goes. Cause I'm, I'm, uh, I'm over like the communication, so. Oh, wow, wow. So I just want to follow up with you. So if you had any advice to fix ESPN or anyone in this situation, what would you tell them and how would you go about that? So for, uh, for those that are there, I think they're, I think they're waking up to, to how it is. Um, you know, my advice would be, you know, obviously, especially in this economy in these times, if you have a job, you know, I wouldn't, you know, it's not necessarily the time to, to be like, oh, y'all, you know, I, if y'all don't promote me or do this, I'm out. You know, I don't think that's the time. But my advice would just be to, to you know, stand strong on what you believe in. Um, obviously, for like, especially for us, um, our people, I think when we get a job like that, um, I know I did a horrible job at this as far as like, grabbing every highlight that I made or any clip that I made to add to my reel. Um, obviously they, they made it a little tough because our editors are super busy to where you can't grab that and, and download it. It was, a, it was a complex system. But my advice would be to take everything, grab it and, and, and like find your impact 
and make sure you have that so that when you come to ask for a raise or you ask for that promotion, like you have a list of your impact, like, hey, this is what I bring to the table. For someone that's trying to get in to the business, I think like more the same, but you have to like, you have to know. It is a tough industry. It's, it's almost every industry out here is rooted in racism. And you know, our, our voice, you know, it, it's at times honored, but you have to be safe. You know what I mean? You have to be right. one of those one of those people that kind of, you know, if, if your idea is, is too, if they don't get it, then, then you have to know that, you know, write that idea down and you can pitch that somewhere else. Um, but just mm -hmm. like, don't, don't let it get to you. Cause I, one thing I, I never did was let my creativity die because it kept getting turned down. Mm -hmm. You have to know, like, if, if you're in there to produce, if you are a producer at heart, if you're creative at heart, you're going to win no matter what. Um, they're going to have to come around to it because that's content that can go anywhere. If, if not there, start your own show, your YouTube, uh, Twitch, Twitch is big. Um, even a TikTok, like turn that creativity into something that can funnel money to you. Hmm. I mentioned um, my website, why, why it doesn't exist. I actually, which could have been done on my part, but I went to HR and, and talking about seven, but I was like, oh yeah, by the way, I have this website. I don't want it to be, you know, I just want to make sure I can still continue doing it. They went through a whole review board and they were just like, ah, it's a competitor. So either it's the website or us. <laughs> I said, oh, well, RIP Real McCoy Sports. <laughs> So, but yeah, no, don't ever let that creativity die. Um, and, and always believe in yourself. Always believe in yourself. So, uh, one, we want to thank you for a good, great interview. Uh, and uh, final question as we wrap it up, uh, wrap up this, this, uh, this episode. You spoke about how they transitioned from cold pizza, and cold pizza was hot trash. I remember it to first take and now everyone's doing this debate show you have first take you have uh undisputed you have um um uh, uh first things first um what is the next frontier when you talk about sports what's the next thing a black man can bring to sports a black man or woman can bring to sports that's not out there um well let me let me lead it off by saying if any of these ideas hit somebody owes me money if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> no but i mean i i think i think uh like one of the models is is it's starting to go towards like like players content right um and you take a look at uh all the smoke or um, knuckleheads. But then also, like, I don't know if you all have seen it, but JaVale McGee has a really great blog. He's in the bubble. He's, he's you know, that's dope. Uh, Matisse Tybull of the Sixers, he's ha he has one too. It's really great. So I think that could be, like, the next step. The boardroom as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, 
player-led things like to say, hey, like we're just talking heads. But if if I'm a produce, like let's let's really get into it and talk to the play. Like, sure, old players are great, but if we get players that are in it, to like you know, hey, check in with us every morning or whatever, head to practice. We can use this, and then we can go and talk about whatever about how they're you know. Obviously, they, they can't say everything, you know, do meetings and things like that. But they have their – players are starting to realize they have a voice. And, you know, media doesn't – they don't like that. They don't like that. But, you know, if you can turn that into something like a show, like say, hey, like we're going to pull this, pull that, make that into – I think that's, that's where it's headed, like player-driven, like their voice. Because they – even for them, why would I look at, you know, as much as I love Skip – for them, it's like, well, why would I look at a guy, you know, he's talking down on me. He didn't even average two points in high school. Like, you know, they, they, they have no respect. You know, even though he covered sports for, for so long, like, they just see these guys as nerds, talking heads, you've never been in my shoes. Um, and so I think that's, that's one way. But also, like, with the new media, I think it's, it's just a, it's a different way you need to, like, really tap into your create creative uh, genius to see like how you can, you know, do that. Because I tell people like this all the time, had ESPN had the foresight to like lay out or like to see that their model of, cause their claim to fame, like really took them up with SportsCenter. You know what I mean? That 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 11 p.m. That 6 p. That 6 p. That 9 a. Those back in the day, people couldn't wait. Top 10. I'm I'm watching the whole ESPN, like the whole program. They they gonna tease it the whole way, and it's like 12 12 o'clock till you see the top 10. But you couldn't wait to see it. Now, you can see that anytime you want. Bleacher Report, Hot House of Highlights. It's all on IG, but if ESPN had that foresight to be like, well, wait a second, like, we have Twitter, we have IG, like, let's start working on, you know, showing highlights online, but they, you know, they're protecting their sports center brand, their top 10 brand. But if, you know, you got to think five, 10 years ahead to say like, hey, like this, this may be counterproductive to us right now. Like, uh, you know, if you're doing a top 10, but we already shown some top plays on our IG, if they would have had that, there were, you know, Bleacher Report wouldn't have shot above them because now everybody's checking their phones. We're on our phones. So, you know, I'm rambling, but that's, that's what I see. Like, you have to really, like, have some foresight and kind of predict where it's going to go. Good, good, and, good. Yeah, and, and take a look at all of these different mediums uh, that are starting to come into play, like – you know, YouTube, people watch YouTube more than TV now. They're on their, they're on their phones more than TV. What's a, what's, a newer, what's a newer app? Snapchat kind of phased out. Can't really do a Snapchat show now. What's next? So you always have to keep your eye out for that and, like, jump on it and, like, really be ready, prepare for that moment because when it hits, it's going to hit. Otero, well, thanks so much for um, joining us for this episode. Thank you so much for your insights. I mean, just, just thinking about the, the levels of racism that are in the world, 
Uh, obviously, ESPN isn't a Donald Trump level on the barometer of racist, but obviously has some serious racism you need to address. We're so thankful for you to join us and the content you were able to bring. Uh, for our, those, our listeners, thank you for checking us out. Uh, Terrell, is there a way they can fo- that, that our listeners can follow you or catch up with you? Uh, yeah, I'm on social media uh, at Terrell, T-E-R-R-E-L-L-M-C-C-O-Y-J-R. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you add me there too. Cool, cool, That's cool. fine. Great. I love to have conversation. Reach out to me if you have any questions or if you just want to chat. I'm always there. Cool, cool, cool. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you.